Hey, hey, friends. It's the most bizarre thing. Last time we talked, I was super pregnant and completely out of breath. And now I have a baby, a real life beautiful girl. She's here beside me. You might can hear her hiccuping. She hiccups all the time. Uh, but we're absolutely smitten. Puddles on the floor, just absolutely in love. And Honestly, I just stare at her all day and really can't think of anything else. Um, but I did manage to get this episode out. And actually, I mean, ugh, just listening to it and working on it filled me with so much hope. I love this show. I love getting to chat with people. Every single story reintroduces me to the father and draws me close to him and makes him feel close and real and good and true. Amber's faith is giant and you're going to just fall in love with her. I love this girl, y'all. I mean, she is the real deal and I mean it. I mean it when I say she's the most sincere person. She's authentic and honest and funny and I absolutely love her to pieces. So Amber and I met when I moved to Panama City in high school and, you know, the true, the truth is, the fact is that her life is full of hard things. Just the facts are hard, but supernaturally, she just genuinely oozes with grace. It's contagious. It's life-giving. I've, I've never heard her speak from a place of bitterness or sarcasm. Um, she genuinely just clings to love. And so love is what she pours out, you know, and it's, oh, it's just amazing. You're going to love it. So it was so funny. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I was listening to this episode and doing a little editing while I was getting dressed in my bathroom. And so I had, I had the episode playing and all of a sudden my Google Nest or I don't, is that what it's called? Hub or I don't know what it's called. Anyway, this little Google thing that plays music, it started playing Elevation Worship all on its own, like halfway through this episode, it must have just known like Holy Spirit cue because it just put worship music behind Amber's words. And let me tell you, if you do that, if you just play a little worship music, you're going to go to your knees. Like Google knew it was time for the altar call. <laughs> oh my God. It was so hilarious. I was like, okay, Google, like you're on it. And yes, like her words are powerful. They're dripping with grace and I'm confident they'll bring you life today. Let me know what you think. Have a great, have a great day. I'm cheering for you. Hello, my wonderful friend. Welcome to freedom. Welcome to a space of belonging. This is the Ash and Ivy show. My name is Riley and I'm totally geeking out to be here with you. I am challenging you to know your identity, find God's voice in your story, and give your life as a gift to the world. You have a voice and a message that only you can give. So let's do the divine work and make God visible through our lives and be in awe of what life is all about. Hey, Amber. Hi. Welcome to the Ash and Ivy show. Yay. Finally made it. <laughs> Woo! I know you've been listening this whole time waiting on your turn and it just felt like the right time. And, um, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for you to share all your good stuff. So mm -hmm. tell us who you are. And then I want us to talk about our friendship and kind of how we've grown together too, because mm -hmm. that'd be fun. Yeah, I'm Amber Nelson, and I live in Panama City Beach, Florida. Um, me and Riley met in Panama City, just over the bridge, and I <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, two kids. Got Olivia, who is 14, and I have Benjamin, who is eight. And I'm a hairdresser, so I get to make people look beautiful and just chit chat all day long. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> which you're super good at. Are you, I was trying to remember this. Are you an Enneagram seven? Yeah. I'm a seven married to a one with a two wing. So he gets stuff done and he takes care of me. 
<laughs> and I'm just like here for the party. Let's, let's have a good time. <laughs> you bring the personality and he keeps it all going. Yes. Well, seven and one, that's, I don't know how common that pairing is. Yeah. I try not to read any of the things about when you pair them because it doesn't sound very great. <laughs> no, no, actually mine is the same way. It basically reads line one because we're a three and a six and it reads, um, why are y'all together? Like, it's basically <laughs> like, if you make it, you probably won't, but if you make it, it'll be great. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to be that sliver yeah. of a percentage then. Get the odds. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. funny. So yeah, we met in high school. I moved to Panama city my last year of high school and we met in youth group. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember I was actually singing on the stage and it was a pretty small church. So when a new family came, you quickly, you know, noticed them. Everybody knew. Yeah. I remember <laughs> oh, a really pretty blonde lady and, oh, that must be our daughter. And wow, look how they worship. Okay. They know, they know, <laughs> they know the deal. They're worshipers. They're my people. And yeah, <laughs> Sweet brother and dad and Brie. Uh, they just, I could just eat them all up. Yeah, so we had just adopted Brie from China then. So she's brand uh, new. Oh, cutest thing ever. My parents had a very uh, unique, so we moved every three years, but they would like just drive around or look in the yellow pages and like pray about where to go to church. They didn't like pick the popular place or the successful place. So they, I mean, your church was like, what do you call it? Across the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> it was not in the main part of town and I don't know how we found it but it ended up being great so we did have a lot of fun together and then what's um another memory I have of us together I think you called me to tell me you were pregnant with Ben mm-hmm. is that right yeah I literally know where I was in my car on what street like I know exactly where this happened and you're like, guess what? You're not going to believe this. Like, what? <laughs> you're like, I'm pregnant. I was like, me too. <laughs> we were, what? Within weeks of each other. Yeah. And, and Gray, I don't think Gray and Olivia were, they're not that far apart. Mm-mm, one year. Wow. So, yeah. Which things I'm sure were very different reasons, but <laughs> yeah. Mine was a whole turn of events, but it's so crazy that I got remarried and had a baby and you working on your second. And now my third, what, what's happening yeah. with you? You, you're yeah, not keeping you up. Want me to join you in that journey, but I politely declined. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> well, it's going to be fun and I'm excited yeah. to have a girl. So it'll be worth it. All right, cool. Well, so let's see, where should we start to talk about your story? Yeah, let's just start at the beginning. Um, Well, I mean, I have my biological dad. um, He, him and my mom just kind of decided to part ways. And so my mom started dating and she met this guy that had a great personality, loved the Lord. um, And it ended up, she had talked to my dad and said, Hey, you know, I met this guy. We're going to get married. He's so great. He loves Amber. Would you mind if he just adopted her? And that way, if we have kids in the future, they'll all have the same last name. And he said, sure. (laughs) And so, um, turns out my stepdad became my, my became my dad, my adopted dad. And he just loved me and chose me. And, um, he's just such a precious man. And he was teaching Sunday school and, they got married and had, you know, a bunch more kids later, but he, he was probably the first person that really just taught me about really digging into the word and falling in love with God's word. And, um, he was a very good teacher. Um, but it quickly became apparent that he had a drug addiction. And so, you know, I remember kind of things starting to get heated. My mom homeschooled me, I never even went to school till third grade because she homeschooled us. 
And um, then whenever I went to school in third grade, it was a private school. But by then things had started to kind of pick up um, the disease, which I believe it's a disease, you know, it had progressed um, to the point where um, my mom was homeschooling me and they would start getting in fights and, um, you know, just the frustration was starting to build. Um, and so my first day of third grade, he was actually facing 22 years in prison. So I was going to a Christian school, um, and just the weight of that, you know, and I just remember looking around going, these people seem so normal. <laughs> and I think that, and you know, you're in third grade. So I, my, I have a son in third grade and I'm like, I just couldn't imagine him going to school and thinking about that. Yeah. But, um, and just wondering, you know, is anyone else going through the same thing? You know, um, what kind of problems are they having at home? And so, yeah, I mean, we had a house burnt down to the ground and they, it was kind of at the time, you know, was it suspicious activity? Who knows, you know, our car got impounded and my mom said there was bullet holes down the side and just all these crazy things happening. And, you know, meanwhile, we're going to church three times a week and, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm going up to the altar every Sunday, you know, every Sunday was the same request, you know, every Sunday. And, um, of just really starting out at a young age, just knowing that I could only find hope in one place, you know, that I just had to um, be reliant on something that was steady and stable and that wouldn't change. And uh, so I was just so thankful. We had so many people that were around us that were helpers. And uh, my one of my favorite stories is we had this neighbor it was Mr. Carl, and there was three of us by this time. We ended up, there ended up being four kids, <laughs> but at the time, there was just three of us, and um, he always tells the story that my sister would go over there and say, Uncle Carl, God doesn't like you drinking that beer, <laughs> and he was like, what? Because they would have these big wild parties. Well, he ended up um, getting saved and became my youth pastor later, so he just, he <laughs> loved it. He loved to share the story of the little Bennett kids running down there. <laughs> and, uh, but he, he would, there was always people around us that were like my dad, that were pouring into us, that were loving on us. I mean, they were just, they were always there. My mom um, ended up, my dad would get out, do really good for a couple of years. And then we would, he would go back to prison and then we would have to move you know, cause it's just like almost trying to outrun it. Like maybe it'll be different if we're at a different place or maybe it'll be different if we do this instead. And, um, my mom ended up getting pregnant for, with her fourth child and he went back to prison. And so I have a sister that's 13 years younger than me. She's the youngest. And my mom had to give birth with her best friend at the hospital. And yeah. so, you know, just, just crazy turn of events, but, you know, she was really good at providing consistency. Like she was always stable and consistent as far as just taking us to church, you know, making sure that we stayed. And I just didn't fell in love with it. I had great, you know, youth groups and people that really loved me and pushed me, um, towards, towards the things of God and developing my relationship with him. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> it's wild. I mean, it's so fascinating that people can either take something like that and just completely turn away from God and everything and blame him and ask why he didn't make it different for your family or save you from that or whatever. And then there are people like you who like just push in harder to find out what can I gain from this? What, what about this is real and true. And it, it's just interesting that your heart clung to the Lord from the beginning. And that's been pretty steady for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I definitely had times where, you know, numbing felt better. You know, I had times of, mm, I think I'd rather just focus on, cause you know, I talked about being a seven, like, 
getting after a good time and partying. I mean, so I definitely had my fair share of that kind of thing. Um, but whenever I met my husband, when we were dating, I'd at this point, I'd already, you know, I actually ended up marrying somebody who really struggled um, with alcohol and had his own battle in a sense, got a whole nother life um, and really has come through all that, which is such a blessing for my daughter that we had together. Um, but then whenever I met my current husband, he, I was telling him my story and I just remember him just looking and being so compassionate and really understanding because he had been around a lot of people and understood struggles with that kind of thing. And he said, Amber, you really need to go and, um, go to this group called Al-Anon. And it was for friends and families of addicts and alcoholics. And so I did, I did a little dive into that and did some time and ended up, um, going through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, like an addict or an alcoholic would, and really learned a lot from that, learning about it being a disease and, you know, all these things that family members go through. So that was a real interesting, you know, just I've immersed myself in a lot of um, groups that are out there to get people help to understand, you know, that you didn't cause it. It's not your fault, you know, mm -hmm. it's, can't control it. It's a big thing. Um, and you know, my dad now, he, um, just recently got out of prison and, um, we actually got to see him on Sunday. So it's our first time seeing him in five years. And so me and my brother drove over there and saw him and, um, it's our relationship. It's so funny how something can be so painful, but then it just changes all the time. I mean, it's always evolving. And so, you know, during COVID, he was like my counselor <laughs> and, you know, we would talk, we would talk about, you know, what was going on at home. And I have this captive audience. He doesn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> You're talking about on the phone. Yeah. He would just call me and I would tell him all about my day and just throw up all of it. And he's just such a good listener. And he always has scripture, you know, lined up about what he's been learning that week. And so we'll share and bounce off of each other things that God's doing in our lives. And um, so it's just such a cool thing. Um, but it's just totally different because we go from when he's in, I have nothing to worry about. You know, it's just, it, I miss him. So that part is hard initially. And then when he's there, um, we just kind of cruise. And then when he gets out, we start all over again because I really have to trust and let go um, because, you know, then it's a whole nother set of circumstances and situations that can come up and fear, you know, if I'm in fear with him, um, I can really try to hold on tight and get almost fixate on outcomes of what he should be doing, what he shouldn't be doing, all those things. And it really can damage our relationship. So that's probably the hardest part. Wow. So how long has he been in prison this past time? This time was five years. Um, so yeah, he's at a, at a halfway house now. And so he's just kind of easing back into, into the swing of things, trying to find a job and all that is so difficult when you have, you know, all these things that you've been dealing with. So trying to be there and support him, but not push, you know, a certain agenda too hard or what I think you should be doing. Yeah. That's so interesting to think about. I've never thought about how you can just enjoy him and fully, um, engage with him when he's in a safe place, but then the fears that come up when he's not. Hmm. So you and your husband actually, um, did you lead Al-Anon for a while? Yeah. Yeah. I started going and you just kind of go through this process of going through the 12 steps. And it reminded me a lot of a lot of stuff that I'd done in church as far as just deliverance ministries, really just kind of digging up all that stuff that, you know. Right. Yeah. Because really all of us need recovery from some lie or some wrong thinking or some coping mechanism. Uh, right. Yeah. So do you find that you use yeah. that stuff in with all oh. people or what the apostle Paul say, you know, there's nothing that's happening or any of us are going through that somebody else isn't going through too, you know, 
know, we all have our struggles and our things so we can identify if we can um, just have some humility, I think is the biggest thing for me, having some humility about, you know, what other people's struggles are and, and knowing that, that God's the only one that really has the full picture and can see what's going on with that. Cause if I try to get too into it, because I can just want, want to, you know, try to help them or fix it. And it can, it can really not go good from there. Yeah. Well, I guess a couple things like, so you said that you ended up marrying young. Well, you didn't say that, but I know that you married young and, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it feels like at first, at least, or maybe the most natural thing for you to do was to kind of follow in the footsteps of your family. Um, but then there's got to be a place in your life where you really chose healing and chose, um, or just, I'll let you describe like, how, how did that happen where you love the Lord and you wanted something different for your life than what you had seen before but then you end up in this trap of what you mm-hmm. didn't really expect to happen. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. It, um, yeah. And you know, the crazy thing was I met him at church. Like, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I met him at church and just thought, Oh man, he seems great. You know, everything's great. We should hurry up and get married. Um, cause you know, we want to, we want to do all these things and do it the right way. So, I mean, we both, set out with great intentions. And the thing about, you know, people that struggle with alcohol addiction or drug addiction or any real, any kind of addiction, porn addiction, who knows, whatever, but it, it's so progressive and it's so sneaky and cunning and baffling. And, you know, so it just starts out. And I just remember being on our honeymoon and being like, let's have some cocktails to celebrate. And we had never really drank around each other. It just wasn't a big part of the culture at the time that I was around. And I remember, you know, me having a couple and then be like, okay, this is great. And him having a couple and having a couple more and me going, oh, that doesn't seem normal <laughs> or healthier. I don't know what's going on. And so, you know, then problems just mounting and mounting. And I remember, you know, calling my girlfriends and just feeling so hopeless. And I cannot believe I've gotten myself in this situation and I have a baby and, you know, I'm going to church three times a week and he's not doing. And so I remember getting mad at him, like coming home, you would think I would be coming home from church with compassion towards him. And I remember coming home so much, just angry and mad. And it wasn't really even mad at him. It was mad with myself. Um, and just, you know, the pressure of people every Sunday going, and I'm very careful to not do this to other people now. Cause I remember good intentioned people going, where's your husband? Where's your husband? Where's your husband? And they thought they were helping, you know, they thought they were being compared, caring and passionate. And really it just, the shame was mounting. And so I would go, go home and just unleash on him. Cause I was so you know disappointed and frustrated, but I remember a girlfriend saying to me, and I got a lot of different advice, um, from well-meaning people, but a girlfriend saying to me, you know, Amber, you know, there's a proverb that says you can pick a fool up only to have to pick him up again and again. And I just knew that for my daughter, that is not the life that I wanted to, I'd seen all the drama and all the stuff that we had to go through when we were kids. And I just thought, you know, I just cannot do that. And so thankfully he, my ex-husband will kind of now share in his story that it was exactly, you know, what he needed to get him going on the right path. And so now Olivia has a dad that's, you know, not struggle with that anymore. Um, and so it's really been neat to watch him grow too. I don't think you and I have ever talked about this particular detail of it, but I felt the same way of, um, I chose this, like I knew better. I mean, you know, that you and I've been down similar paths and, um, I think we planned on better for ourselves and we love the Lord so much. So how could this happen? How can we end up in a marriage that we didn't see the harm? Why didn't we see the red flags? Why didn't we stop and think about it before we made the choice or 
I mean, just so much self-condemnation. Like I didn't even for me, and it sounds like you too, maybe I didn't blame him at all. Like it was more like what an idiot I am for choosing this or signing up for this, you know? And honestly, I really have only faced that part of my story in the past few years. Um, like, no, that's not exactly what happened. I was a young, you know, person who loved the Lord. That's true. That's authentic. And I believed in love and I believed in doing the right thing. And I believed him. Right. But he didn't turn out to be (laughs) thought or whatever. And, and I'm not here to tell his story at all, but, um, but yeah, we carried the weight. I don't know if that we could go into a whole thing about Christian women and the culture and the expectations put on us, um, to be unconditionally loving and humble and, um, Uh all kinds of lies that are wrapped in that. Oh yeah. I mean, there's this thing that happened with me because of, you know, watching my dad cycling out of his and then watching, you know, my first husband cycling of that is you can become very, um, skeptical, um, and just question every little thing. And so I can, I can, if I'm not in a good place, I can notice a lot. (laughs) And part of that is like, okay, I need to have discernment in situations, you know, and I talked to my daughter about this is looking at a tree and telling what kind of fruit it has that that's very valuable and you need to do that. But when you become cynical or skeptical or just always second guessing people and that, I know that's not the way I want to live my life. You know, I want to be able to live my life with a sense of, you know, curiosity about what's going on and wonder and still hopeful that God can change people and miracles can happen. Cause I've seen it over and over. And, and really every day, you know, that we wake up and then we're living this life and for uh, drug addicts, I mean, literally every day is a miracle. I mean, you know, my son said something to my dad last night about, you know, his teeth or something. My dad said, well, son, I'm just lucky that I have any teeth. You know, he's so thankful <laughs> and um, just being able to enjoy that moment and, and not having a way of, okay, now what's, what's it going to look like? And you know, guarding myself for getting hurt or people will say to me like, so Amber, do you think this is the time? Do you think he's really going to get it this time? Or, and it's like, I don't have to be the judge and the jury. I don't have to do any of that. I can just completely let go and make room for God to do whatever he wants to, you know, and it's just such a better place to be in. Well, and I guess the way you treat your dad versus the way you would look at a, like for your daughter, like a future spouse or a possible spouse would be a little bit different. Like for your dad, unconditional love is going to be what leads to the best outcome. Right. But our daughters don't need to choose their husbands with that in mind. Our daughters need to set their standard and choose based on the fruit. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. And just sharing, you know, I mean, I think that's where with parenting, if we allow that shame to come in, it kind of shields us from really being authentic with our children and sharing like, look, here's some stuff that I've gone through. And I feel like that's something that our parents, you know, back in the eighties, I didn't hear a lot of parents really doing that. And I feel like our generation, we get it, you know, that, um, our kids aren't going to hear something and then go, Ooh, I'm going to use that against you. (laughs) You know, it's, it's all to help them grow and to understand and relate to them. We've been through this, you know, and then if they take it and uh, use it, that's great. And if they just have to take their own journey, we just walk through it with them and, you know, it's, that's the hard, I know it's the hard stuff for sure. Yeah. I wish I could save them from that and protect them, but for sure, for sure. Um, walking through as their sister in Christ, I mean, obviously I parent first and keep them safe and hold them accountable and grow them and shape them. But I'm also, yeah, restoring and apologizing and Mm -hmm. walking my walk out with the Lord out loud for them so that they know that I'm not 
holding them to this standard that I'm not also trying or, you know, just confessing, like I make mistakes all the time. Cause it is easy for me to hold them to a higher standard than I can even attain myself. But, um, I, am I try with my oldest one, especially like I'm your sister in Christ. Like ultimately we are walking this journey together and the more honest you are with me and the more honest I am with you is going to produce the most healthy relationship, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. My daughter's starting to notice and be noticed by the opposite sex. So yeah, we're having lots of those, you know, conversations about, you know, how God's given you discernment and, um, you know, you can really use that to, to look for attributes that you would want, you know, in a friend and let it start from there. You know, what kind of, what do you want your friendships to look like? What do you want your relationships to look like? What do you admire in me and big Ben's relationship? She, when, when she met my husband and he kind of, he reminds me a lot of how he fell in love with her and chose her and, you know, wanted to be with me and her was kind of the same mirror of my dad, you know, choosing me and falling in love with me and just so precious. But then whenever I got pregnant with baby Ben, I said, oh man, what should we name them? And she said, well, we love big Ben. Just let's just name them baby Ben and we can call them Ben, sir. And Ben Jer. So <laughs> got big Ben and baby Ben. <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah. That is a parallel of restoration and what a sweet covering after your first marriage or maybe through it or whatever, what, what healing needed to happen or what lies did you need to change the narrative of in order to move forward in a healthier way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, probably whenever, I mean, several, I, I think the whole thing is a healing and restoration. And it's amazing to me how, I, I went through some deliverance ministries um, whenever I was married the first time. And a lot of that just kind of kept me afloat and gave me hope through those eight years that were really rough. And um, then whenever I was single, all that stuff kind of resurfaced again, the loneliness and the rejection and, um, you know, just being concerned and worried. So I spent a lot of time when I was single kind of looking at people and, and wondering, you know, huh, I wonder if this person's going to have a problem and, you know, that whole awkward dating thing and being a single mom while dating is not super fun. Um, and my parents were really scared. I think they were watching me kind of, you know, partying with my friends. And I remember my mom sitting me down and saying, I'm just, I'm not sure where your life is going. This doesn't seem like you. And um, I remember just being really snippy with her and being like, well, if you're questioning the, you know, God has a purpose for me. Like, I know he has a purpose and a plan for me, but I'm just not right now. I'm just not super focused. I'm not sure what's going on. And I'm really hurt. And, um, so she was, you know, very scared and just kind of trying to hoping that it would look a little bit different. But then whenever I met my husband, it was really helpful that he kind of recognized that there could be some patterns that were going on. Um, you know, so he was the one definitely pushing me towards because he had a, had his own set of struggles and he was just like, I want to make sure this relationship is healthy and it's set on a good foundation. And um, so he definitely pushed me towards Al-Anon. So that, that whole program was just such a, a godsend because um, the girl who was my sponsor, um, her name was Laura. She was older than me and had kids about my age. And so she just a hundred percent gave devoted full time and attention to me. And so when we walked through the steps and I shared my whole story with her over months and months, um, I could call her anytime I had anything come up. And so then I was able to do that with other girls. So I even worked with some teenagers and, um, I actually had a couple girls come in one time we were sitting in the middle of the Al-Anon meeting and these, this mom comes up and I immediately recognized her that I went to high school with her and I ran outside and said, Hey, what's going on? And she told me, and she was just crying. And, you know, she said, their dad is, you know, he's off on drugs and I have these kids and I don't know what to do. And so I was able to, 
take them and have a little meeting with them and just pour into them and let them know, you know, it's not your fault. There's nothing that you did. You know, your mom can't change this for you, you know, and it feels really hard right now. Um, but there, there are people that are going to walk through this thing with you and your mom cares about you. And so it's, it's hard to, um, to watch, you know, kids have to go through that, but I just know there's so much hope and I, my brothers and sisters, I mean, our relationship is so awesome and we're all so different all over the board, big personalities. Um, but our relationship is so strong and so good because we're the only ones who understand, you know, <laughs> how different our life could have been. And so I drive them crazy. They're all younger than me and they would just rather text and stuff, but I make them, you know, I call them and <laughs> talk to them all the time and oh, they're like, Oh, here she goes again, making me talk on the phone. <laughs> I would say that that's probably, I mean, you're saying that you just had each other, which is true, but I also want to credit you for keeping your family together. I mean, you absolutely pursue your siblings and have created a relationship of restoration, no matter which way any of you go, there's always a place to come back to you. And Mm -hmm. that's really beautiful. Um, so I guess I heard you say, and it really captivated me, like the whole thing you're including probably, maybe you didn't mean this exactly, but your past, your first marriage into your, into your current marriage, all of it. It sounds like what you're saying, or I'm asking, are you saying that it all belongs, that the restoration and the beauty comes from the whole thing and that it's all been a process or a part of creating the beauty that you have now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like that if all that doesn't happen, you know, I mean, everything that happens is just things get broken down and it's really hard, but the restoration that can happen and the the life that can be built you can understand what people are going through. You have a compassion, you have, you can just relate to so many different things because of all the things that have come through in your story. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even though the tearing down is such a hard part of what you thought your life should have been and what it should have looked like, um, the end result is just so full because I'm just so thankful now, you know, I'm thankful for the stability that my life has but I also know I've always had this very deep sense of anything, any which way it goes that I'm going to be covered by God's grace and with his love and that I just have this security um, that comes from my relationship with him that I can um, anytime I'm scared or frustrated or things start to go in a way that maybe seems familiar and scary that I know that I can get back in his presence and I can feel secure and feel loved and, and, and he can just change my mind. Um, he really does this thing whenever I get in his presence that I'll feel that I know what's going on and I feel very certain about something and he can just change my perspective in an instant and fill me with hope and restore my joy. It's, it's really cool how he does that. How early did that start for you? I mean, when you look back, do you see how God covered you through? Yeah. I mean, it's really crazy. Cause I, uh, I just always had a heart for worship and I lead worship now at my current church, me and you led worship together. Um, I was joking around like, let's bring it back. Sing, <laughs> love your voice. I love your heart <laughs> for worship too. And it's just mm-hmm. such a, awesome experience. I remember your mom, uh, she wrote, we were like part of a secret, secret sisters group or something. And she wrote this beautiful letter. And she said something about Amber, when I watch you worship, the glory of God comes on you and you are just the most beautiful person. And I just remember thinking, I know exactly what she's talking about because you just look around the room And you can just see it on people. You can see this hunger and this desire. And then when you feel his presence start to start to come down, there's nothing like it. 
and just that comfort. And so, yeah, I remember third grade, um, just crying and just a sense of being held. And since I've, I've had dreams where I've kind of had myself in just different scenarios that had really happened in life and just had this picture of God there with me, holding me during the event. And it's just, it's really neat how, you know, he's just so attentive to what exactly what we need. So, yeah, I've never, I've never doubted for a moment that he was there with me in my story for sure. That's neat. I don't think I've ever heard someone say that they had a dream Mm -hmm. of a specific situation and saw God there with them. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. It's overwhelming to think about all of it and the beauty of it. Maybe what would you say is your, I'm trying to think about the Enneagram seven and what their pain point is like, is it a high expectation for yourself? Is it perfectionism or people pleasing? Like what was the shift for you where you were able to kind of let some of that go? What was it for you and how do you let it go and shift into a place of self-love and a place where you can live from passions and, and your true self? Yeah. I mean, what I've learned about the seven is they can be really focused on, um, looking towards external things to make you happy internally. Um, so for me, it can, it can tend to be, you know, experiences. So like my husband knows that he has to have, you know, a vacation plan where we're doing something super fun. <laughs> and it's funny cause he doesn't need all that necessarily. He's fine with just, you know, sitting here, but I need all those big over the top experiences. Um, but if I'm really, you know, in a good place and healthy place and focus on what's really important is just knowing that I can be happy and content with no matter, you know, no matter what's going on, that I don't need to be reliant on those things. Those things are great. Um, but it's not really a good thing to be focused on all that and not really just living here in the present. So I've really enjoyed lately. We, we just got a hot tub, you know, out there in the front yard and I have just in the loved, front yard. Yeah. 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 I've just loved sitting out there with the kids and, you know, my 14 year old will get in there with us and just pour heart out to us in the hot tub. And we just, <laughs> my husband says some nights he'll go out there and I'm sitting in there with my feet kicked up and he'll say, you know, we have a whole life going on in here. I'm tucking kids in <laughs> and I'll say, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Just give me five more minutes. <laughs> oh gosh. So like, yeah. I'm really lucky Funny. that he and understands, you know, that I need, I need to take care of myself and, and pushes me to do things to take care of myself for sure. That's so funny. Something about the hot tub just makes Olivia talk. <laughs> I love that. I was just looking up at, um, so the seven arrows to a five in growth, which is, a, a definitely a place of a more inward thinking place. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. Just checking that out. Yeah. So, or the eight, you know, the other wing is the eight and whew. Yeah, I can definitely see when I'm getting in that mode (laughs) where I can just get that's that's the control one for me. That's the one where I want to force outcomes and situations and get almost really attached to what I think the outcome should be and what would be best and thinking that I know. And yeah, when you get that way with a 14 year old girl, it is not going to go very well for you, for neither one of you. (laughs) So just, you know, just letting go and trusting you know, that the things that I'm telling her, you know, that she has her own relationship with God and she's taking it all in and she's absorbing it. And then it's up to her to make choices that are, that are gonna, mm-hmm. you know, work for her life. So it's interesting. you mentioned earlier, like how you would kind of search out for the wrong in someone else or guard your heart and like, that kind of thing. And I was just thinking about our, you know, both of us are remarried and how I know for a long time for me, I was putting expectations based on fear 
on my husband. Like, I need you to be super spiritual. I need you to be disciplined. I need you to love the Lord. I need you to do this. I need it to look like this. I need you to parent like this. And really that was all fear-based and me trying to be his Holy spirit. Um, sounds like similar to what you were just saying about what you put on a teenager too. Like we take our own experiences and project that, um, that hope that you can prevent something wrong from happening, you know, but eventually you have to come to a place where you let them, let your husband lead the way he needs to lead and, and really like love him in his current place and just love him fully because isn't that going to produce more growth anyways? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's hard. (laughs) It's so hard. Yeah. And for our kids, we just kind of think like, oh, it's avoidable, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You, you can totally avoid some of this. You don't have to hurt like this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what is that saying? Like a wise man learns for from their own mistakes or no, maybe something about a smart person learns from their own mistakes. A wise person learns from other people's mistakes or something like that. And it's just like, that's not reality. I mean, you have to make these certain mistakes to know what works and what doesn't like it really is the best predictor of things is for them to make mistakes. And even for, you know, our husbands and, you know, just, yeah, letting them know, oh, this didn't really work. And, and what's amazing to me is we see kind of, it's real easy for us to see our parents' downfalls, you know, the things that they didn't quite do right. Um, but then if we're, you know, we just look and see, oh my gosh, I'm doing the same exact thing that they did. And <laughs> it's really eye opening. You're like, okay, well, just that's, that's where that humility piece comes in. And, you know, being able to see that I don't have to have it figured out all the time, but I do have to be humble enough to come back and say, I need help, you know, and being honest with our kids and, and confessing to them, we've, we've messed up. And I really think they can forgive anything. I mean, I I know from experience, we can forgive anything when somebody comes back to us and makes amends, makes things right. Um, And that's a huge part of recovery as well. And thinking back to what you were talking about, how, when we come to a place of healing and we recognize the beauty of our whole story and its fullness, then maybe that's the key to letting go of the fear that we put on our husbands and kids. Like if we are walking in fullness and recognize that there's beauty in even our mistakes, our pain, our regrets, then we won't yeah. fear those things for them so much. Right. I mean, yeah, just perfect love cast out all fear. It's, it's really good. A really good picture of how that works when we know that we don't have to hold on tight. And actually that, and we know from, you know, our growing up, the, the tighter you hold on, actually, the more people just want to kind of slip through the cracks and do their own thing just to sometimes even to prove a point, you know? And, um, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it exposes something in us. I think that's the other thing for me too, is what is this exposing in me? You know, um, when somebody does something or I just have such a strong reaction, I have to see, okay, what's coming up in me and circumstances have a way of just kind of drawing that out what's going on with me. And so being able to, to look at myself and focus more on, you know, how I'm reacting to things. Am I able to just kind of go with, you know, the rhythms of of God's grace and kind of move with what's going on? Am I able to be flexible? Or um, if I start getting really rigid, then that's where I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm not casting out all fear. I'm not, I'm just, I'm really scared. And then, and I don't think, you know, we are scared of sin and we're scared of it, but Jesus is not, you know, he is not scared of it. He's not surprised by it. And he came to people in the midst of it, you know, (laughs) I mean, that's what I just love about him, how he was, 
nothing about it intimidated him. Not the way that he was perceived by other people, not what other people think about it. He, he was just able to get right there in, in the middle of people's mess and show them that there was a better way. That's a good word. Um, all right. Well, on that note, tell me last thing just about your life now. Like, what do you feel good about? How are you proud of yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you walking in from a place that feels alive and full of life? Yeah. Um, yeah, so much, so much to be thankful for. I mean, I think that it would be really easy to come out of everything that I've come out with, uh, with a kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop type thing going Mm -hmm. on or, but I don't think that I feel that way at all. I'm just so full of hope and excitement and a curiosity to see kind of what's next and, um, and an unfolding of, you know, my story and with my children, I mean, it is just, it's such a blessing for me to know that they're being raised in a home that we are not perfect, but, you know, it's just so full of love and, um, in my job and my career every day, I get to meet new people and they sit in my chair and, um, the stories that people tell whenever I'm able to look at them and really truly be able to say like, I've been there. I know exactly what you're going through and then offer encouragement, you know, to them and it, and it be sincere. Um, it's just so amazing. I I have so many stories that, you know, happen and just, that's what it's all about is us, all this pain, all the turmoil, all the struggle, um, being able to be used to lift other people up. So yeah, having people in my home and, and love on them and encourage them and, and just laugh, sometimes just laughing with people, you know, in the salon, that's how we get through really stressful, hard days is you just got to laugh about stuff, you know, the hair color didn't go the way you thought it would go. And our clients just love us so much. Sometimes they're like, well, we'll try next time. (laughs) You just, you have to laugh sometimes. (laughs) Well, you have the best, most contagious laugh. I don't think I know any other human who laughs more than you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so excited for you. I'm so thankful for your life and to have been a part of it Mm -hmm. so far and for many more years. (laughs) Yes. Wasn't like a moment of finale. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's over. It's done. (laughs) yeah Yeah. no it's super cool it's cool how it started and it's cool where it's going it's amazing Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) yep serving other people serving the lord together is really such a privilege it really is i loved watching watching you grow i'm proud of you thanks thank you so much all right well We appreciate it so much. I can't wait to share your story with everyone.